Good morning. How's everybody? It's a couple greats, a couple all rights. One fantastic. Horrible. Yeah. But you are. Is this loud enough? This mic loud enough? Sounds quiet today. We good? Hey, uh, welcome to the bridge. My name's JJ. I get the honor of uh, bringing God's word today. And um, would you guys pray with me? I want to pray uh, before we get into God's word. I've been thinking up, cooking up something all week, and um, I'm so excited to share it with you. But uh, when I do it, it's just some words. When God does it, it's life-changing. And uh, that's, what, that's what I want. So, Father, we thank you for this morning. Uh, thank you so much for our worship team. And um, for the people that show up to this place week in and week out early to create a space that we get to just come and be a part of. So from the getting to purchasing to the cutting to the serving of the donuts to the thinking and praying through the set list to the getting the slides ready, preparing a children's uh, message, a space for those kids to be kids, all of the stuff, Lord, we just put um, our best foot forward. But here's what we ask, Lord. We ask that you would meet us where we, were, we, where we are at. And you would do what is in your nature to do, and that is to take our limits. And then you do limitless things. You take where you begin where we end. So, Lord, even now as we open up the Bible, the word of God, the, the, the living word, Lord, we open it up, but we also open up our hearts, we open up our minds, we open up our situations and our lives to you, and we ask, that we wouldn't just hear some pages, some words off a page, but we would hear from God himself, who lives and uh, helps us to take one breath after another. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time, and uh, I'm so pumped to share this message. So we pray everything in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, if you're new to the bridge, I'm not going to do a big intro, but we are in a series of messages right now looking at Jesus' rhythms. Jesus' patterns, the things that he did. So we keep, uh, Caitlin was talking about the app. We also have a YouTube channel. If you want to hear messages, if I ever refer to them or just kind of want to know something about, you know, the church or what we've been talking about, we have a YouTube channel, just Bridge Bellingham. You can find our stuff. You can go on the app, podcast, however you want to listen to messages. They're out there. But we're talking about things Jesus did a lot. We're heading in a direction because we're going to look at the things Jesus did. We're going to look at the things the early church did a lot here in the next couple weeks. And then we're going to talk about us as the bridge, things that are rhythms to us, things that, that we do a lot, why we do the things that we do here. Today I want to talk about the rhythm. Here's the name of my message. Jesus saw people. Last week I said that Jesus took Risk And the last point of last week was Jesus took a risk on, he took a risk on people because he sees potential in people. He sees things that we don't see. This is one of the things that I have always been amazed about Jesus. It's what drew me to Christianity. 
Because I don't know about you, I was the person who said religion. I was, I was the person growing up. All right, don't remember. Just remember her for next week. Welcome to the bridge. Welcome to the bridge. Hey, that was one of the reasons I actually used to think like that. And I would, I would make it known. Um, but Jesus sees her. If you leave here today and you say, I don't like the bridge because there's real people there, then Jesus needs to see your heart too. Now listen, that's how I felt. Christianity was for weak people. Religion was for people who couldn't think on their, think on their own. Religion was for dumb people. That was my upbringing. And then you know what happened? Someone actually showed me the real Jesus. And then I started seeing like, you know what? And you know where I saw the real Jesus? In here. Someone gave me a Bible. And it was in the language that I kind of got. It was like a student study Bible. Anybody ever have one of those? They're as thick as this table is wide. And there's all sorts of stuff that helps you understand different things. But I started to see this about Jesus. He saw people. Here's what I mean by that. Anyone seen the movie Avatar? It's a good movie. But they're saying in there, they never said, yo, what up? Or hi. Or how's the family? They said this. I see you. It was their, their way of talking. And she actually has to explain to him what that means. It, it, it was actually a sign of, it took a lot of explaining. I see you. I see your, who you are as a person. I see value in you. I see honor in you. I see who you are. That's this morning's message. Jesus sees people. There's too many instances in scripture. That's why it's a rhythm for me to put it in, in one message. But I want to look at one person in particular, and then we're going to throw in like a side portion of, of one conversation with another person. And being that it is Women's Heritage Month, God bless the women of this world, the women in my life, the women in our church, the women in our community. I want to look at a woman in Scripture that Jesus saw and I want to talk about three aspects of how Jesus saw her, three aspects of how Jesus sees us. So if you're a note taker, jot these down. Jesus sees us as people, first and foremost. Jesus sees our past. And Jesus sees our potential. So the first one, Mary Magdalene, we're going to look, our, our base scripture today is going to be in Luke chapter 8. So if you have your Bible, open it up to Luke. As you're doing that, I just want to say a quick prayer. Father, I pray for that, that gal that just walked out of here. She wasn't the first person to walk out of here angry. She may not be the last. But I pray you would meet her right here in this moment where she's at. And she would know that whatever she's been through, that you see her and you love her. And she may not believe in you, but you believe in her. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Luke chapter 8. Let me read you guys the first three verses. If you're there, you can read along and we'll have the verses on the screen. It says this. Soon afterwards, he, Jesus, went on through cities and villages. So this is talking about his ministry and, 
and what he was doing, traveling around. He was proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. Verse 2. And also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. And Joanna, the wife of Shusa, Herod's household manager. And Susanna, I always smile because that's how my mom goes by. This is a verse that I read after my, um, just happened to be reading through the Bible. Um, after my mom went to heaven. And I was just thinking about her. And I was just like, Lord, because God sees us. He sees our past. He sees our potential, all the stuff. And I was just like, man, I think about my mom's life and that she's in heaven now. And I was just praying. And I was just like, Lord, I just wish I was just a way that I just know that you just got her. And then I read this verse. And Susanna, comma, and many others who provided for them, provided for them out of their means. Jesus sees, recognizes, and responds to the human part of us. Here's the first point. Jesus sees the person inside of us. I say this. Jesus had the habit of speaking humanity over people. It's kind of a fuzzy term, but here's what I mean by it. When you look at the way Jesus talks to people in the Bible, they're talked about like this. So-and-so the beggar, so-and-so the blind man, so-and-so the prostitute, so-and-so the woman who had been cast out seven demons, so-and-so the man in the, who lived in the tombs who, had, who was demon-possessed, who had been handcuffed many times. It always talks about our infirmities written by people. But Jesus would say, Mary. Jesus would say to the man, he would say, this is not who you are. That's who the world says you are. And then, he, then the world saw after Jesus had been with them, and it said they were blown away because this man could see. This person was no longer uh, he, uh, injured in some sort of way. They were no longer possessed by demons or have evil oppression that was ruling their life. They were new. Jesus pulled out the person that was in there because he sees that person. He tells people who they are, who they really are. Draws me to Jesus. It drew me to him because no one, people were quick to tell me who I was based on their perception of me. Always. It still is part of our story, is it not? As a church, even within churches, it's part of it. Oh, that's that kind of church. Oh, that's that kind of church. It's just this thing that we, we, we pick out the differences in people. When Jesus picks out who he created us to be. Because you know why? The Bible says all people were created in the image of God. We are image bearers of God, whether you know it or not. You bear the image of God. Where the world sees a person worth passing by, Jesus is like Lloyd Christmas in Dumb and Dumber. Pick them up. He's all about picking up another person, bringing them along. He sees an image bearer. Now, these women, these three women right here, as well as many other women recorded in the New Testament, uh, 
were caring and providing support for Jesus and his ministry out of their own means. God had done a work in their life. They were actually funding and giving to out of, out of what God has done to them, to the ministry, to, to Jesus. It was awesome. And this would have been viewed as straight up scandalous in this early Judean um, culture. Because there was a stigma even upon women that, you know, if you think it, it is now and there's still aspects of it now, then there was no, you couldn't vote. There, there was just all sorts of things. It was lower class. And Jesus said, no, no, they actually fund my ministry. They're with me and I'm with them. People would have looked down upon this, but Jesus didn't care. You know why? Because he saw the people that he created them to be. He saw honor. This has messed with me so much in a good way that it's changed the course of my life. I didn't want to go to church, let alone be a pastor. And yet God put this so much on my heart. I'll spend the rest of my life doing the best I can, leading a church and being a person that sees the humanity in people. That doesn't, that doesn't leave people where they've been or where they're at, but wants to see people through God's eyes. Is anybody with me? Amen. Amen. The second thing is this. He sees our past. Some of you need to know this. I think a lot of us, if we've been in church a long time, we need to remember this. Mary had a past. I have a past. You have a past. Did you see right there where it says, and Mary, in verse two and a half, also some of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out. says this specifically in another place, Mark chapter 16. It says, Mary, from whom Jesus had cast seven demons. So she, we're not given physical past uh, stuff, but we're giving spiritual. There's a lot of physical uh, examples in the Bible. Just back up a few verses. If you just mark in, in Luke chapter 8, if you're there, just back up a few verses. Jesus just gets done telling a story of a woman with a past that people knew about. It's recorded for us. But Mary just says she had been overrun with seven demons. So you could look and, and people try to make up, well, this is the seven deadly sins or the, some, some sort of something about what that means. But seven throughout the Bible is the number of completion. So you could say this, her life was completely in ruins. It had been overwhelmed. So she physically was possessed by evil. And you can't tell me demon possession is not real because I see it every day in our city. It manifests itself in different ways, but it's very, very real. That wasn't, that was from heaven, that part. That was the Lord. Do it again, Lord. Come on, Uriah. Seven demons. You know what, I th I, I'm, I'm not going to draw any like speculation or whatever, but I will say this. I don't think God wanted any hot gossip to be Mary. You know Mary. 
She was, she was always a drunk. She was always bad news. You know, JJ, he was always this way. Yeah, it's amazing what God has done. You see the potential? Yeah, but we love to yeah, but people. Look at what's going on at that revival down in Kentucky. Yeah, but it doesn't have this. Look at what God is doing in this person's life. Yeah, but they're not showing up to X, Y, or Z. Yeah, but they still struggle. There was no hot gossip because he wanted people to see her for he sees her how he sees her. So she's not just a person, but she's also a type or example of what Jesus sees in all people. Complete and utter ruin. Blown it in her own life, and yet Jesus sees this. She, is, she goes as, as an example or a type for all of us. I love that Jesus often chooses people of bad reputation and with very broken paths to transform. You ever know, wonder why he does that? It's because it's visible. When someone who is visibly broken God does something, it shows those of us who like to hide our stuff away that there's hope for us too. I love that that's part of our story in this church. We might have visible opposition, but we have visible transformation. Oh, that's good. Write that down. We might have visible opposition, but we see visible transformation. I think that's a word for us. It's to show what he can do with us. Here's things, three things about our past. Jesus sees our past mistakes. He sees them. Let me tell you what else he sees. He sees your present struggles. And if you're anything like me, your present struggles look different than your past mistakes. I'm not trying to rob houses and buy cocaine any longer. But I'm working on not judging people. I'm working on different things in my life. Uh, but Jesus sees my present struggles. He sees your present struggles. And you know what else he sees? He sees your future glory. Jesus sees your past. He sees your present. And he sees your future. And you know what he sees when he looks at you? The Bible says masterpiece. Not pretty okay. Really good. I love that. The world may look at you and see what you've done and pass you by. Jesus looks at you. He sees who you are. He sees what you've done. And the last thing we're going to look at this morning is he sees who we can be. Jesus sees our potential. Will you guys flip over to John chapter 20? I want to look at Mary Magdalene is just spoken of a few times in the Bible. She gets mixed up with some of the other Marys because it was a real common name. Um, in that time. So she's been mixed up with, um, well, there's a few Marys that speak of in the, in the New Testament, but another place where it talks about her specifically is John chapter 20. Jesus sees her potential. I want to look at this one. I'm going to read you a few verses. Chapter 20, starting in verse 11. This was after Jesus had died on the cross on a Friday, which is coming up, by the way. We're in a season which is called Lent right now, where we're preparing 
our hearts for um, Passion Week, which is coming up, which is, we're going to have a Good Friday service, by the way, and it's going to be sweet, and I tell the events of the whole last week of Jesus's life. So if you're like ever wondering, how did these last events work out, the Last Supper and all of the different things and the different trials, we do that on our Good Friday service, and uh, it'll be really really rad. And then we celebrate Easter, Jesus rising from the dead. So after all of that had happened, or Jesus had died on the cross, he was buried. Mary was bummed. So was the rest of Jesus's followers because Jesus had so much potential. He was doing so good. He was healing people and raising dead people and transforming people and they killed him for it. Now what do we do? And it says in John chapter 20, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. It was early on the third day. And as she wept, she stopped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain. One at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? This is a term of like ma'am. It's a term of uh, honor and endearment. Why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've laid him. And having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but, did she, but she did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to him, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Where is he? And then verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which is an a term of endearment and respect and honor, all the things, which means teacher. And then verse 17, Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have yet to ascend to the Father, but go and tell my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father and to my God and to your God. Verse 18, Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he said these things to her. He saw her potential. Who she was always supposed to be. Did you know that she was the first person to preach the resurrection of Jesus? Jesus chose a woman, a woman with a past, a woman with a very broken past, a woman who had been visibly transformed into the world around her, to, for the world around her to see, she was the one that was there early in the morning, not knowing what it was going to look like, but just wanting to see Jesus. And then Jesus appears to her. And then she told her, go and tell people that I have raised from the dead and that I will go before you and I will meet them. We have a month. I, I think the different months are good that we have in our country, Black History Month, it's awesome to think about our culture and our heritage, Women's Month, Mother's Day. Um, you know, I was raised by a single mom, 
And I just want you ladies to know that uh, we have a month that we'll talk about some stuff. And, um, but we see your value. We thank you that you put yourselves out there every single day. And I just want you to know this. Nobody sees all the stuff you do. Nobody sees the sandwiches that you make. They'll tell you when there's not enough mayonnaise on it, though. Or if they don't like this type of meat as much as the last kind of meat, or if they don't prefer this type of peanut butter, they're quick to be like, I don't really like that. They're not quick to be like, hey, thanks for spending the last hour of your life making another meal for our family, for us to sit here and critique. Not in my house, in your house. It's a word from the Lord for you. But I just want you to know that we honor your commitment. We value, and I just want you to know this. Jesus sees everything you do. He sees the little that you do with your whole heart, and he makes it more than enough. Jesus values women. He recognized her potential as a woman and as a woman with the past. And Jesus used Mary Magdalene to share this news, not just with people, but with Peter. You know what the Bible says about Peter? We'll keep reading after the Gospels and you see Acts. They're in this place and they're praying and the Holy Spirit comes and empowers them and fills them. And Peter is going to give a message where 3,000 people are going to get saved and the church is going to get born. It's going to become what eventually we are walking in those historic footsteps. That is our legacy. That's where we're from. Empowering of the Spirit to men and women. We proclaim the truth about Jesus rising from the dead and who he is. And we invite people into this place. We tell them that Jesus sees you and he knows you and you have a past, but he wants to do the same thing he does with Mary and with Peter to you. And we're just walking in our culture saying these same things. But the first person that Jesus picked just to tell Peter was a woman. Let me, can I, here's the side dish of a person. We look at Peter for a second. So if you're in John, and we were just in verse 20, and you skip over to, or chapter 20, you skip over to chapter 21, and it says, it says this, little quick backstory. Peter was bummed out. He was heartbroken that things weren't going like he thought they were going to go. Anyone been walking with Jesus for a while and it gets hard because things aren't going the way you kind of thought they were going to go? So, Jesus, or so Peter says this to his friends. He goes, man, I'm going fishing. Because fishing fixes everything. Um, the, there was no laugh. No, you guys are serious. You're like, heck yeah, it does. <laughs> Amen. Um, so he goes back to his old trade. That's what he did. Probably because he saw value in himself as a carpenter at least. Or I mean as a fisherman at least. Um, so he had gone back. They were out fishing all night. And there's a story in, in John chapter 21 where they're out fishing. And when they had fished all night and caught nothing, doing things in your own strength, nothing happens. And in the morning they look to the shore and there's a man standing there. And the man says, hey guys, have you caught anything? It's nice to ask 
people when they've just invested all this time and effort and resources? Fishing? Yeah, we went fishing. It was awesome. Did you catch anything? No. But it's called fishing, not catching. You know what I'm saying? So it says, cast the net on the other side of the boat. They do it. They pull up. And as Peter's doing this, there's more fish in this net than he knows what to do with. And he's like, it's the Lord. And so they start paddling into shore. Peter, being all or nothing, ready, fire, aim. Peter jumps in the boat, swims to shore, comes up. Jesus had already prepared them breakfast. They're eating breakfast. This is the... They see him after he had risen from the dead. We'll pick it up in verse 15 of John 21. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? I wish I could have seen what Jesus was pointing to. Because people are like, was he pointing at the fish? Was he pointing at the other disciples? People think he was pointing at the other disciples because a few days before this, Jesus was sitting around where they took communion for the first time at the Last Supper, and he goes, I tell you the truth, all of you are going to deny me tonight. And Peter says this, I won't. All these guys might, but I'll never deny. I'm ride or die, Jesus, forever, you and me. And Jesus goes, Peter, I tell you the truth, tonight, before the rooster crows a third time, you're going to deny that you even know me. Three times. So Peter kind of throws the other disciples under the bus. He's like, they might, I won't. So this is sometime after Jesus is raised from the dead and he looks and he goes, Jesus, or Peter, do you love me more than these? It could be either or. Let's just say it was both. And Peter says to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then he said to him, feed my lambs. Jesus said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. Jesus said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved. He was broken in his spirit. Because Jesus said to him a third time, do you love me? And Jesus said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. How many times did Peter deny that he knew Jesus? How many times did Jesus restore Peter? Three. Jesus saw who Peter is. Here's what trips me out about God's grace. He still gives it to me even though he knows the next time I'm going to mess up. He doesn't dole it out like, you know, Tic Tacs. It's all of it all the time. That's what makes it so amazing. When I do something really good and I see God work in someone's life, I'm all, yes. And then I do something that I regret, and I'm like, Lord, forgive me. That was out of character. That's not who I want to be. And then I think about it. I'm like, God knew about this when that happened. That's how much potential God sees in you and in me and in Peter. Three times, do you love me? That's hard. By the end, Peter was broken. Basically, if I could just put it in like street-level language for us now, he was kind of being like, hey, Peter, do you love me the most? And Peter's like, 
the most I can. And then Jesus goes a little deeper and he goes, hey, Peter, do you love me more than all your friends? And Peter's kind of sad because he sees his own and he's like, I just, I love you with all I can. And then he asks him a third time, hey, Peter, are you the best Christian there is? And he just goes, Lord, you know all things. You know my past. You know my present. You know my future. I just love you. And then in that place, Jesus commissioned the first pastor. Lambs, tend my lambs, feed my sheep. That's the role of a shepherd. He used a woman to teach who his first pastor is going to be. I know there's a message on leadership in there somewhere, but it's just pretty rad how God works it all out. This is demonstrated throughout the Bible. That's why we call it a rhythm. You ever notice that God renames people? In the Old Testament, he'll call someone such and such. No longer do I call you Abraham, Abram, but now Abraham, which means the father of many nations. No longer do I call you Jacob, but I call you Israel. This is demonstrated when, when um, what he's showing is that he wanted people to see themselves and the world around him through God's eyes and not theirs. Before I close, let's just say this. I think we're connecting right now. And I know that it's harder for me to see my potential than it is for others to see it in me. And I want you to know it's easier for you to see your shortcomings than it is to see your failures. Um, I know this is true. Because regardless of how, what gifts and talents we have, there's always this sense we don't want people to take too close a look. Because underneath it all, it's kind of messed up. But people see, your, it's easy to see gifting on others. And it's easy to see your own shortcomings. And did you know that that is one of the main strategies of the devil in this world? It's for you to see yourself in others just through your eyes and not through Jesus's. To see your past and leave you there. To see your potential for failure instead of your potential for success. That's like darkness 101. And the kingdom of God 101 is that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Because of the potential God sees in humanity, he gave himself. That's the good news of this life in Jesus is that who we once were is only part of the story. And it's who, we, who Jesus sees us. That's how we get to live. You get to see yourself through Jesus' eyes. That's called walking in grace. Because Jesus sort of loves you a lot. This is what the whole book of Romans is about. The whole book. We were like this. Jesus did this. Now it's like this. It's the reconciliation of Jesus. When he was on the cross, you can say he bridged the gap of who we were and who we should be. Who we can be in him. That's how we say that when we are a Christian, we say, this life I now live... I live by faith in Jesus, the, the love he has for me, the way he sees me. That's what it is. So as we hang this thing up, we're actually going to take communion today. 
Jesus as a response. I don't know if you, maybe some of you today, I always think, we'll always do this. I preach every message thinking that if no one had ever heard anything from the Bible before, that what I just said would land on their heart and in their mind. Because I remember when I first started going to church, I had no clue about any of this stuff. None. I just knew that there were things being said to me that were not just from another person, not just from another authority figure in my life who didn't see much when they looked at me, but something from the heart of God. Jesus sees us as people. Yes, he sees our past, and yet he still sees our potential. Let me hang it up with this. Because Mary had it, Peter had it, we have it. I, I say it like this. In the transformed life, the person who responds to Jesus, there is always a go involved. There's a sending. There's not just a transformation, but then God sends us someplace. He said to Mary, go and tell Peter. Go and tell the, my disciples. Um, I love to the, uh, he tells Peter and them, go and tell the world. He tells us, go and tell the word. There's a, the world. There's a sending out that happens. God doesn't just say, you were messed up, but I am God and I made you holy, so stoked for you. He says, I did that for everybody. And I want you in your unique messed upness to tell people how that panned out. Our tendency is to go into our own strength. That's how when you go to church and you act like everything is awesome. Everything is awesome. How are you? Great. How are you? Great. Amen. God bless God. See you next week. We tend to want to go in our own strength. Our, our, our version where we're always pretty good. But uh, the, the, uh, the go that Jesus sends us in is for us to go in his strength, which means that we put our weakness out there still. Amen. Jesus is looking for us to go in our, pardon the bad terminology, our unique authenticity. What does that mean? Because I don't really like those words. It's sort of like God is saying, just be you. You be you. I've battled this for years. What kind of leader should I be? What kind of pastor should I be? What kind of father should I be? What kind of husband should I be? And it's always like God is saying, the one that you are, that I'm making you. You be you. God isn't trying to make you into the person next to you. He's trying to make you more like his son, Jesus, who knows your past, knows your brokenness, redeems it anyways, and sends you anyways. Jesus lets us be who we are. So Jesus isn't ashamed of you. And you don't have to be either. He didn't say, I really wish I could have got this person but I guess I'll settle for this person. No, he takes the worst of us, the ones complete, the seven demons, and he restores and he transforms and he speaks life and he sends us. So don't be 
ashamed. Instead, be honored. May you leave here honored today that God sees the potential in you. Be thankful today about the problems that Jesus forgives. Be empowered today by the Holy Spirit to share this life with other people. We're going to have the worship team come up. I'm going to pray. And uh, we're going to pass out communion. And uh, communion, if you've, never, if you've never been part of it or experienced taking communion before, Jesus gave, gave out at the Last Supper, his, um, as he was sitting there having dinner with his disciples, he passed around the bread. And he's like, hey, rip off a chunk. And they rip off a chunk. And then they pass around wine. And he says this. He goes, this bread is a symbol of my, my body, my life, my example for you. Broken for you. It's like I gave of myself for you. And he's saying, I want you to partake of this bread. So he's saying this to his followers. To people that want to be Jesus' people. He's like, I want you to take me in. Let me nourish you. God's life, his example. Then he takes the wine and he's like, this is my blood. It was shed on the cross for the forgiveness of sin. And as you take this wine, what you're saying is, it's like you're taking in uh, Jesus' blood and it kind of, you know how I say he speaks over you? It, this washes over you. And you're saying, I'm forgiven. You're seeing yourself the way God sees you. So he intends it for people who are his followers to take it. So if you're a person that wants to follow Jesus with your life, that's what you're saying when you take communion. So just keep the bread and keep the cup as we sing this song, and then I'll come up and we'll take it together and we'll end service that way. Sound good? All right, so let me pray. Lord, thank you for this word. I thank you for Mary. And... Uh, just so we can bring this thing home and be real clear about the temporariness of this life, um, we're going to get to meet Mary one day. Uh, more importantly, we're going to get to see you face to face, Lord, but I'm excited to see Mary. And um, maybe my mom's already met her and they've talked and they talked about God's amazing grace in their life. And uh, it's pretty cool to think about. But until that day, we look to you with the eyes of faith, Lord, because of who you are, what you've done, and what you promise to do in our lives and in this world. So, Lord, we sing the song as a response, and I just pray this over, over everybody in here. If you need to be reminded of who you are in the Lord, I pray that as we sing this, you would just remember and maybe know for the first time what God sees in you. If you've been walking in your own way and it's not working out and you're ready to, to see what Jesus has in store for you, then I pray that God would just put, make your heart heavy with his love. That he would draw you to himself. And there would be just a rad moment of personal surrender to the Lord. So God, we love you. We thank you for the, your word. We thank you for this church. And we sing this song in response. In Jesus' name, amen.